Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. And now, join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. Is doubt the enemy of faith? This is the question we will answer on this episode of Word Matters. I'm Brandon Smith, brand manager for the HCSB, and I'm here with my co-host, Trevin Wax, manager of the Gospel Project. And we are joined today by Barnabas Piper, who works on the leadership team here at Lifeway. Uh, he is the uh, podcast Jedi uh, who co-hosts Happy Rant and Five Leadership Questions podcast, which are the most popular podcasts ever recorded ever, from what ever, I've heard. Ever. And uh, he recently wrote the book, Help My Unbelief, Why Doubt is Not the Enemy of Faith. So, Barnabas, thanks for jumping on with us today. Absolutely. I hope I can bring the same level of popularity to this podcast. <laughs> we, That's why you're here. <laughs> we hope that, too. Um, so, so the question that we're, we're asking today uh, is about doubt. Uh, I think almost any Christian who's transparent, honest, would, would say that there is, have been seasons of doubt. For some, it's an intellectual thing to have doubts about the the truthfulness of the Christian faith about some of the the central claims of Christianity for other people. It's a very experiential, emotional, uh, uh, time of doubt. You, you doubt God's goodness in times of suffering, things of pain. You doubt, does God really have a plan? Um, and for other people, it might be doubting that you can actually, uh, be the kind of Christian God is calling you to be, you know, you're, you're relying on, on yourself to some extent and you're, you're seeking to grow in holiness. And it seems like you, you doubt, not only yourself, but can can God actually mm-hmm. change me over time? Yeah, I think you know all, all Christians doubt or have doubted in one way or another. Um, you know, I think we've heard in churches a lot that maybe doubt. Some people would say that doubt comes from sin. If you have doubt, there's some sort of sin in your heart. There's something that's wrong with your faith. Maybe you're not praying hard enough. Maybe you're believing lies from Satan, etc. So, uh, but Barnabas, in your book, uh, the reason why we brought you on, we thought your book had a kind of an interesting look at this. Um, and you say that doubt is not the enemy of faith. That's the tagline of the book. So maybe you can unpack that a little bit and why, why you say doubt is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, we, we were talking just before we started and one of you said that uh, doubt is never a virtue. And I think I would agree with that statement that it's doubting is not something that you aspire to. Mm-hmm. It is something you can't help. It's an inevitability. And the reason I say that is because I think, Doubt at its very, like, the most base level is simply not knowing something. It's not being sure. If you are unsure of something, you're unsure of the future, you're unsure of something you can't see, that, that is sort of the foundation of doubt. What makes it good or bad is what you do with it thereafter. Like, how, do you, how do you handle it? And since we believe in an infinite God and we are finite people, there's an infinite amount of stuff that we can't know about God. There's stuff that is not portrayed and explained with perfect clarity in scripture. That's not to say that scripture is lacking in anything that we need, but it does not give the full picture of who God is. So we will lack things. We can't understand all of God's reasons and all of God's purposes and how things all work. So we are we're going to doubt. We're going to not know. We're going to have questions. Which way that tips mm-hmm. is what determines whether or not it's sinful or uh, something that that can be beneficial, but it sounds to me like you're using doubt almost it linked to humility as 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 you know this is acknowledging that you don't know everything that you can't understand everything that you 
So I'm I'm trying to so if you were to okay if doubt is not the enemy enemy of faith what mm-hmm. would you say is the enemy of faith? Um, rebellion, unbelief. Okay. So doubt I I would not say that doubt is linked to humility. If doubt becomes linked to humility, it can lead you deeper into faith. Because if you acknowledge I I don't understand I these don't things, have all the then then mm-hmm. you 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 are positioning yourself. To learn, you're positioning yourself to seek. You're positioning yourself that God is an authority over you. If you, if if doubt is attached to pride, then you flip the script and you position yourself above God, and you say you're not really acknowledging what you don't know, and you're saying God is not doing what I want. He is not abiding by my will. All of these things I can't see don't please me, so therefore God can't be good. And so the humility is what leads it into the doubt can point you towards faith. The pride and the and the rebellion is what leads it towards the doubt that is sinful. So, like in so like in the passage of Mark nine twenty four, it's one of those really popular passages mm-hmm. about unbelief. Uh, you know, the father's son is sick. He comes to Jesus. He says, "I believe. Help my unbelief." So, in that sense, you're saying that would be the type of doubt. He says, "I believe, but help my unbelief." There's right. doubt there, but he's asking the right question and going in the right direction. Yeah, and he's he's taking he's taking steps towards Christ. I mean, it's a physical step to Christ. He brought his son to Jesus mm-hmm. to be healed. For us, it's it's probably going to be more uh, spiritual as opposed to physical. But it's his his lack of control, his his inability. I mean, this if you look at the the whole passage, it talks about how the son is demon possessed. No. Has has tried to kill the son. There has been no remedy, and he the father fears for his son's life. He is at wit's end. He has no solution to the problem. So what does he do? He comes to Christ. That's the perfect example of what to do when you don't know, when you don't have the solution. And I don't think he had confidence that Christ would necessarily do it, but he had some level of belief that Christ could. Right. And it's that seed of faith that led him to follow. And that's, I think that's the, what we look at this and say, that is commendable. His response to his fears, his lack of control, his doubts was the commendable piece. And the fact that he admitted them straight to Jesus. He said, he said, help my unbelief. He mm-hmm. did this publicly. He said it in front of however many people were around. We know the disciples were around. We know a crowd was gathered. And he said, I, I don't have perfect belief. He didn't say, oh, absolutely. I knew that you would do this. Mm -hmm. He said, please, just do the thing that you can do that nobody else can help and then help my soul. Yeah, it's interesting that that faith for him is the foundation for him to then ask for help Mm -hmm. in his unbelief because he – I mean he first has the declaration, right? Yeah. Lord, I believe. Then he says, help my unbelief. So in applying this passage, I mean this is a passage obviously that a lot of – um, pastors over the years have have gravitated to is in in speaking about faith and in in preaching. Do do you would you recommend that the application of this passage be focused uh, primarily on an an unbeliever who's who's coming to faith in Christ? Is that is that their posture, or do you would you say no? There's actually also relevance in this for all believers who still struggle with doubt and need to rely on the Lord for help. Uh, I would I would say all believers. Um, I mean, people who have just come to faith would be part of all believers, mm-hmm. right? But but I would say, I mean, somebody who's been a believer for decades, you know, people like you and I who have grown up in the faith and professed faith in Christ at a young age, if if we struggle with unbelief today, uh, this is a prayer for us because it it does start with a profession of faith. I do believe, but then it is acknowledging that we still battle unbelief. We battle doubts. We battle we battle the kind of doubt that can lead us away from faith because th- there's a difference between doubt at its at its most basic and unbelief. Unbelief is is rejection. 
That's the, that's disobedience. That's rebellion. That's putting ourselves above God. Doubt is not knowing. So when we start to, it's, it's unbelief that we need help with really. That's what we're asking. We're saying, I have these convictions. I have this profession of faith, but help me with this area really of sin and rebellion in my life that we still battle. Yeah. I know you said, I know you said before, um, that doubt is often the evidence of belief. So it's not just something like that. It's, so it's not mm-hmm. just, um, so when you're doubting, there's also this side of you that wants to know something, right? So somebody who doesn't doubt yeah. at all, maybe just doesn't even think about it. Yeah. I think, uh, I would, I say that in specifically in the context of people who, who feel guilty about their questions. Mm-hmm. So if somebody who's a professing believer and they, they don't know if their questions are right. Can I can I be asking this? Is, is God going to be angry at me? You know, you guys mentioned right off the bat that the church is, has often positioned doubt as, as a negative, as a sinful mm-hmm. thing. But I, I think many times those people need to be reassured that your questions are evidence that you are seeking more of God. Right. You, you may need to learn a little bit of humility in recognizing you won't always get the answers that you want mm-hmm. or that you expect, but your questions are digging into truth. If your questions turn towards more of the challenging posture, how could you, God, as mm-hmm. opposed to why did you, God, the, then, then you, your heart has shifted to the place where you've now put God uh, on, on the witness stand and you're cross-examining him instead of him being in charge of the situation. Yeah, I think when I was younger, I remember having a pastor and I had struggled a lot with doubt. Um, it was when I started going to Bible college and I think a lot of seminary and Bible college students go through it. You start learning a lot of things and you start not knowing how to find the answers. You have so many more questions than you do answers. And I remember telling a pastor friend, you know, I've been praying about this and praying about this. And I just, I'm having such a hard time believing. He's like, but you're praying mm-hmm. like that is a, you're praying, you're seeking God. That is something, you know? So when it's, it, and, and if it's, if that's uh if that's found in a relational context, that it makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. When we think of God as an idea, this all becomes very confusing. But when you think of it in terms of relationship, relationships get to sticking points where, where you can't, the communication breaks down. Things are not working very well, whatever it is. But if there's continued, if there's love, there's respect, and there's continued that, that communication, and you, you mentioned prayer, that context creates a context where the truth can come out of it. Or you learn to simply say, that's not something we can resolve, but that doesn't have to damage the relationship. Mm-hmm. One of my questions is, is related to the um, kind of the culture and context that, that we live in. Um, doubt was almost universally seen as a negative thing in most churches, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like in our in our day and in our generation, uh, because authenticity is such a high value, uh, mm-hmm. transparency, honesty, whatnot, people uh, – we, we've been more encouraging about people to ask good questions and right. to, to bring those up and not just wrestle with them and feel guilty about them. Uh, I I guess my if if I've got pushback, it would be to say, okay, are we are we in danger of making it seem like doubt is a virtue to some people that that the the mark of an authentic faith is that you're more like Thomas rather than the other disciples mm-hmm. who who I, and again not 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 shying away from the fact that I think Scripture teaches that God loves doubters. I mean Jesus said put your hand on my side and right. I mean mm-hmm. it to, to Thomas. So I mean, his response to the father in Mark nine, I mean, that, he, yeah, that's right. He, he and he heals. immediately healed the, the man's son. But, but, but then because there is the, the, and you made the distinction earlier, I think this was really helpful of different kinds of questions, mm-hmm. right? Uh, 
are we are we in danger of lifting i guess the the honesty and transparency of doubting to the level that we're maybe unable to discern the difference between those kinds of questions so that so that we leave people vulnerable to not understanding when well when this person is doubting out loud they're actually sounding more like the serpent in the garden of eden right. who said did god really say you know what i'm saying well i think and and i think i wrote this in the book as well but there's it's only an honest question if it actually wants an answer. Mm-hmm. So if you, if your questions are for questions' sake, then yes, you are much more like the serpent in the garden because you are seeking to undermine something. You're seeking to call something into question as opposed to seek truth. But if somebody is full of questions and is desiring to know more of God, that's that's the mark of an authentic faith is the faith that seeks to grow and in maturity, in knowledge, in relationship. And so – there is some discernment there, but but the vast – I mean most of that rests on the individual to look at your own heart and say, are my questions seeking to build my faith or question and undermine another truth? And we both know those kinds of questions. We we we, we ask those kinds of questions in an argument where we're, we're, we're poking holes in somebody else's thoughts versus asking to learn, to understand. Mm-hmm. And that there's a very clear difference, but oftentimes in faith – or in, in a faith context, only the person asking knows. Right. Like you don't always, you can't always tell. But yeah. like, so you're, you're, you're saying this is, this is a, a basically faith seeking understanding. Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. And, and, and the, the way that people learn is questions. So we, we, when the church said doubt was sinful, I mean, that's a blanket statement. Not every church has always said that, <laughs> but when that was the norm, uh, the the downside to that was that it squashed people's ability to ask questions and it it internalized people's doubts and those things got bottled up, struggled with, and and undermined a lot of faith. Um, and it also led to a stance by many sort of conservative evangelicals, the strain that we would all be part of, of having being sort of a know it all. Every mm-hmm. question has an answer. You can fit everything into a systematic theology. Those kinds of things. So it's good to 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 swing away from that. But yeah, we can't swing to the place where questions are are the currency of like we just questions, questions, questions. No, there has to be convictions. Right. Because I mean, Mark nine, the man started with I believe. That is That's a right. statement of conviction. He believed in something. He believed that Jesus would do something, that Jesus was something. And for us, we you know, we know what those things are. We know what we believe about the gospel, we know what we believe about Christ, we know what we believe about scripture at its just basic orthodox level, and you hold to those things, and then the questions stem from that in terms of growing in depth of knowledge and faith and relationship with God. So faith-seeking understanding, not unbelief-seeking justification. That's <laughs> yeah, Because questions can do either right, one of those things. Yeah, not just sort of questions, and, and not just questions for sort of like uh, mental stimulation. Like yeah, you, just, don't, you don't want like if you're you have to be doubting to be a good right. Christian. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you almost spoke of it and a minute ago. You were talking about how it gets bottled up inside, and I mm-hmm. agree. I agree with that. I think there's a lot of church cult- contexts and cultures where that happens. Right. Um, but I, I, we don't. I don't. Do you want to give the impression of that doubt is is an inevitable thing that is going to? I, I mean, is there should a Christian expect to doubt less as they grow in their faith? I doubt in certain things less. Okay. I think the more you see of God's faithfulness, the more you will have confidence in it. Mm-hmm. But you will never run out of things that you don't understand. And you will never run out of things that you can't explain. And you will never run out of things that, that, you, that, that catch you off guard. And I think but, – but the, but the further you go in faith, the more you can always st- state with probably more finality, I do believe – 
while you're still saying help my unbelief on the other hand. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. You always see throughout the Old Testament how one of the the big ways to talk about God's faithfulness is to look back at what he's already done. Mm -hmm. And so as you grow older, the the idea would be like kind of what you're saying is you can look back and say, God was faithful here, here, and here. Mm -hmm. So although I don't understand what's going on or I'm I'm confused right now, I know he's come through in all these things. That's why the Exodus was such a big deal to the Israelites. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's always looking back and saying, we saw God do this. So when we face the unknown where doubt exists, we can have confidence that God is still the same God uh, that he was yesterday, and he will be that same God tomorrow so we can walk forward in faith. I mean, because that's what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So we can't know, we can't see, but we we do know what God is and who God is. Yeah, a lot of pastors listen to this podcast, and they're, they we, we talk about sometimes difficult to interpret texts, and we talk about how to preach and teach them. How, how would you uh, encourage and challenge people who are listening here mm-hmm. that may have some sort of teaching responsibility uh, in their walking with people in their congregations who who are open about doubts? Um, I think that the the I believe help my unbelief um, that sort of two sided thing is is the is the paradigm that I I keep coming back to because you you do always start I think with the things that we can and do and must know about God. We can trust his character. We can trust his promises. And if you begin to question those things, you need to roll this thing back a little mm-hmm. bit and, and reconsider because then you're stepping out of faith, not, not continuing in faith. Then I think a second thing is just what, again, what kind of questions are you asking? Are you asking questions with a passion to know more about God with a, you know, a hunger for that? Or are you asking questions out of a, a rebellious stance? Uh, a stance that that is simply that's skeptical of of these things, and third is what are the effect of your questions on people around you? Because you can ask a question that builds other people up because you all dig into the answer together, or you can ask a question that undermines other people's faith, especially if they they respect you, mm-hmm. they think that you're in a position of influence. So leaders do need to be careful with their own questions. They can ask them; they they're going to have them, but questions can undermine other people's faith if they're not handled carefully and with the right sort of convictional context, I think. That's a good word. Yeah, it's really good. Well, Barnabas, thanks so much for jumping on with us today. That was really encouraging and helpful. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters is presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's readers. Find out more at hcsb.org.